You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Short flew up. Oh, he's toying with him now. Hey, Chris. Hey, Caitlin. You have an announcement. I have a big announcement. Are you excited? Yep. I'm launching a tennis quarterly magazine. Is this going to fill the space that Grantland has left in our hearts? On the tennis front, at least. I mean, I can't claim that we're going to do like pop culture reviews <laughs> and Jalen and Jacoby is not in our wheelhouse, <laughs> but it's going to be really good and exciting. And people, most excitingly, people who are in the tennis community and people who are just our pals who are journalists are really excited to collaborate with us about it. So that made me feel like, oh, it's like a real idea. Yeah, yeah. And you and you have some heavy hitters. Tell people who's going to be in the first issue. Okay, so tennis writers, really good ones. Carole Bouchard, she's France's most famous tennis journalist. She writes for L'Equipe. She's doing a big story about how shitty the French Davis Cup is and why. And best of all, she's got an interview with Yannick Noah at the centerpiece. There's a guy named Jerry Maserati. He writes a ton for the New York Times. He used to be the editor of New York Times Magazine. He just wrote a book called Late to the Ball, and he had a big piece in the New York Times Magazine that was part of the book. He's going to be doing a bunch of stuff for us. But we have a bunch of non-tennis people who just want to write about tennis. Two of them are a guy named Sasha Fur-Jones, who a lot of people know from uh, his music criticism, which is really excellent. He's going to kind of try to deflate the David Foster Wallace uh, mythology a little wow, bit, which is cool. so exciting. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to read it. Um, and a woman named Thessaly the Force, who writes a lot for Vogue, she's going to do a really beautiful pictorial about Ted Tinling and how he defined Martina and uh, all these like really cool mod 70s tennis dresses um, and what that said about Virginia Slims and women's empowerment and all that stuff. So it's going to be really cool and all over the place, and there's going to be photos and beautiful original illustration and it's not going to be a thing that you can read on the internet because we kind of think the internet is over or at least <laughs> kind of boring honestly wow you really buried the lead i'm sort of interested in your tennis quarterly but this thing about the internet being done yeah i mean the thing is like it's really tough to like find anything yes. good yes. on the internet and it's sold in such a way that just kind of makes it all algorithmic and we could talk a lot about that because that's what we do a lot in our day jobs <laughs> right and why actually podcasts are cool because it the audience is smaller, but they care, you know, right. and that's kind of the same idea. Like to make this thing a business, these issues are going to cost 15 bucks each, $50 a year. We only really need 5,000 subscribers to actually make it happen. Right. Um, and that to me is doable because there's at least 5,000 people out there who want to read something really smart about tennis, I think. Yes. And, you know, to me, that's a more interesting business model than trying to get, you know, 8 million eyeballs on a website every week. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's what we're doing. We're really excited about it. I think it's going to be beautiful. And I've roped you into it, although I haven't told you about it. How have I been roped? Explain. Okay. So to fund this thing, to get these subscriptions, people uh, are going to buy them through Kickstarter. We paid all the money up front to have everyone contribute these wonderful things, but we want to pay for printing because it turns out if you print a physical object, it costs money. Um, so to do that, we have most of what we expect people to do is buy a subscription for 50 bucks, but we have some other stuff on our Kickstarter that I hope is really enticing for a select few. And this is where you get involved. Okay. What can I do to help Kaylin? You can join me in welcoming a stranger who has paid $250 <laughs> to appear on our podcast. That is fantastic. Yes. Yeah. That'll, that'll be who wonderful. will these people be? I'm not sure. They might just be our friends and parents. <laughs> they might be random or if they don't actually want to be on the podcast, but they would like to have their names mentioned and have us talk about something specific, like say 
which Bond villain does Robin <laughs> Soderling most resemble? By the way, freebie, it's Mads Mikkelsen from Casino Royale. You can also suggest a topic, but we wanted people to maybe have a way to participate. And I thought um, you might be amenable to some more ridiculous conversation, even more ridiculous than you already enjoy with me. Sure, sure. And I would not be upset if it were your wife, Claire, because she hit it out of the park. Thanks for uh, mentioning in, that in again. I one... really, she's threatening my position as co-host of this podcast, and I appreciate you reminding me. <laughs> I'll see if Claire's available. I'll see if she's available. She definitely wants to talk to you about all manner of tennis things. Notably, the fact that it's the French Open and what amazing outfits are to be watched and and had. So, yeah, that's my big spiel. Okay. If in a year I am an independent publishing mogul, then we can travel around to all the tennis tournaments, you and me, and do live podcasts from them. That sounds fantastic. Live our dream of calling a whole match. Right. Live our dream of calling a whole bunch. Did yeah. I ever tell you somebody offered to, to let me do that, to let us do that? Whoa, who and when? Uh, and... We're going to go up to Columbia University. Wow, that's fantastic. Right? Yeah. I know, dreams do come true because yep. of this podcast. Sure. Um, so I'll flesh it out and make sure it's real, and then we, we should do it, and we'll have an episode coming up. God, that would be fantastic. God, that would be I... great. Um, <laughs> so, it's going to be amazing. So shall we talk about the French Open? Or Let's wait. talk a little bit briefly about the French Open. Okay. I love the French Open. I'm so excited. Yes. It is not all that far away anymore. And uh, I woke, woke up this morning and on my Twitter feed, I saw an article about uh, su- suggesting that uh, Federer not play the French Open and break his streak of 65 consecutive Grand Slam tournaments, which is outrageous, uh, dating back to 1998. Which uh, that is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Uh, it'll be heartbreaking if he can't play. Looks like he will. He when when he lost a tournament recently, he was asked about it, and he said uh, he said, "Well, you know, this this wasn't a results tournament. It was an information tournament." I love that. <laughs> Which That's is really so federarian. Yeah, it's so badass. It's like, yeah, I lost, but I really wasn't trying to win. <laughs> now, to your seasoned ears as a sports watcher, does that sound like excuses? Do you believe him? Uh, I believe him. I believe him. I you mean, do. I, yes. I mean, I do think that um, at some point it will become denial, but I feel like he's been really smart about picking his spots. And, uh, and yeah, I believe him. Okay, good. Because um, I want to believe him. I want the French Open to be 66. Not least among reasons because he always wears an amazing outfit at the French Open. Yes. And also, like, let's face it, that game is beautiful on clay, even though it's not as effective as it is on grass. Right. 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 It's great. You know, and he's, at, you know, he has like a like surprisingly great record uh, at the French Open. It's just he kept losing to Nadal. But he, yeah, he, he made like a bunch of finals. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I, you know, just for one moment, if anybody's listening to this and doesn't understand what is so fantastic or at least appealing about clay, you know, these tournaments take place on this like dark, rich red surface. The, that at Roland Garros is called the Terbatu or the broken bricks because mm-hmm. it's so distinctive looking. It gets in their socks. It means they're playing this like protracted game full of sliding and graceful, um, movement. And the matches tend to be really, really interesting and much more sort of, uh, about technique and strategy than others, uh, other surfaces. And, you know, it has been suggested that red clay is the canvas upon which tennis is best painted, <laughs> but I actually think there's some truth to it. it. It's one of the original old school surfaces and it really does like bring out a beauty in the game that is sort of unparalleled. So I like it cause all of the locations are cool and the outfits are cool, yep. but the actual tennis really is like so distinctive. Right. It's right. beautiful. It's like all the best parts of being European kind of come out. 
yeah. play court tennis. So, so cultured, like a little slower than life here. It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. It's a little more stylish. Everyone's like, pan, you pan to the audience and everyone's like in straw hats, like <laughs> sipping, you know, aperitifs. Like, it's great. Yeah. What, what could be better than that? And like somewhere in the distance, like there's a yacht, um, you know, and it, the clay court season is all going to culminate in the French Open, which is always an exciting tournament. Um, yes. And I think this year will be very exciting. Want to know why? Why? Well, first of all, Nadal doesn't suck as much as we all were worried that he did because yep. he's won a bunch of clay court tournaments. Yep. And the second reason is Djokovic, who is like the presumed winner of every tournament he enters and yes. has been probably for the last two years, has never won it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it was like I was blown away by Stan handling him there. I, like, Manhandled him. So surprised that he won that. I don't, I don't think I've ever been more surprised. I guess when Del Potro beat Federer the US Open, that was pretty surprising. Yeah. But, Similar, because yeah. it's like somebody going after uh, a player at the top of their game, right. you know? Right. Got like, it. nobody can beat Djokovic even when he has off days. And right. the fact that, like, Vavrinka beat him soundly at two finals right? And when he's never been better is pretty cool. Pretty cool. And it's also, I think, Stan, um, I think that's got to be the tournament he wants to win most, right? I mean, it would be weird if he went through this period of dominance and did not win the French Open, because it's not like his game is not suited to clay. It's suited to yeah. everything. Well, I think it would be like a super big asterisk. Like even if he ends up surpassing Federer, which is like super realistic in terms of number of grand slams. Right. Um, yeah, there, there will never be like, he's already beaten Nadal and Federer in terms of like masters 1000 tournaments one, which is like, you know, a minor thing, but it's, it, he's creeping up on both of their records and yeah. he will never be considered the greatest of all time unless he wins a major on all four surfaces. Yeah. And this is the one that has eluded him thus far. Pretty, sure. pretty badly. Like yeah. he's not come close to winning it. Right. You know? Yeah. So that'll be very, very interesting to watch on the men's side, which let's be honest, like the men's side has not been that interesting lately. Women's side, you know, is always, is like a total crapshoot. Yeah. Who knows? Right. Can I talk about something that straddles both the men and women's game? Be my guest. Sure. So I think I've been thinking a lot about who Andy Murray should have as his next coach. Uh, so oh, right. Because parted... Emily Moresmo is no longer right. in the job. They parted ways. Um, uh, because it was hard for her to spend enough time on the road because she has a kid. And Murray actually had a cool response to it, which is there was some sort of like, well, if you hire a woman, that's what happens. And he was like, well, when Edberg left Federer to spend more time with his kids, no one batted an eye. And I was like, hey, right. good on you, Andy Murray. That was good. Andy Murray. Yep. I love it. Yep. So um, I do hope, though, that the next coach he has is a woman, and I have some ideas about who. Oh my god! He should pick. So, um, I think you know Moresmo and Lendl, temperamentally kind of different, but also sort of oddballs and kind of not with the cool kids in a way nope. that Murray is. I feel like that's the common denominator. So, so let's see. So, what about uh, Justine Hennig? Love it. Love it. Problem is, uh, she pulled that bullshit against Moresmo in the Australian final. Where oh, yeah. So Andy right. probably feels an allegiance. Maybe. Maybe. But again, these are like prickly people. Maybe it's like Andy's like, well, whatever. I just want to win. Yeah. I've heard she was a jerk. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> liked her. Right, I like, love no, her game and she's one of my favorite players of all time, but right. she does not have a cool rep. And she does not. Either did Lendl, though. You know what I mean? Anyone Good point. Be. So... Just saying. Okay. Yep. That's a suggestion. A. What okay. do we got? What else? Okay. What about um, what about Pierce? Mary Pierce. Mary Pierce, another prickly person. Uh, won two slams, just like Murray. So maybe she doesn't have a, any ideas about how to get to three, but maybe she does. <laughs> um, and uh, although I mostly mentioned her 
because I think she's a little bit of a weirdo like Annie Murray. And because uh, when I checked what she was up to and whether she was coaching anyone, it turns out she has moved to Mauritius. And is deep what? In, she, <laughs> the island nation? The island nation. And she is like a devout evangelical uh, who's very involved in church life and developing tennis on the island. The whole time? I know. I was like, wait, where's the 30 for 30? Surely this has already been made. And Holy she's like moly. kind of at peace with her father as well. Which Oh, my means, God. Which if anybody can remember watching tennis in the 90s, like they would literally like camera pan to her dad who was like there having like literal oh. steam coming out of his he got the full and he would, like, Richard get the Williams boot. treatment. Yeah. Yeah. They just were like ready to go to him immediately. At all he was a crazy person. He yeah. got like banned from several tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. He was way worse than Richard Williams. Richard Williams is just nuts. No, no. And had a, Mary Pierce's well, dad is mean. Yes. Well, I mean, she, she has come to peace with everything. All Mauritius. God, that is amazing. That's so, amazing. Uh, okay. Well, I applaud that. Maybe Andy Murray could like take up the Mauritius flag in all the Olympic events and stuff too. <laughs> that'd, if he that'd be great. Were to train there full time. Exactly. Well, actually, that like Mary Pierce, what she was born in Canada, played for France in the United States, and because her she, mother was French, right? And now she could add a fourth country. That would be pretty cool. I didn't know she's she was, the ultimate pirate. It's <laughs> the blonde pirate. I it's the so so. I didn't know she was born in Montreal, like yourself. Pretty, exactly. Pretty we cool. have a lot of things in common. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, okay. So, so there's that. The oddball choice, because she is really nice, would be Lindsay Davenport, I think. Lindsay Davenport. Actually, that makes the most sense. Right. Even though Andy's game is much more based on his movement than Lindsay Davenport's ever could be. Sure. But I think in terms of like being a champion and like sort of really getting to some like steely eyed place, like I right. think Andy, for as prickly as he is, is actually... Like he fails in the sort of, uh, I don't want to say this in a mean way, but I think he fails in like sort of the imagination department. I think, I think Djokovic owns him. Yeah. Right. And I think it's because he's a little younger and I think he's lost so many heartbreakers to him. Yeah. Wimbledon, you know, 2013, notwithstanding. Right. Like he should have probably won that match against Djokovic last month, last week in Madrid, honestly. Yeah. Um, fun fact about Lindsay Davenport, which I think also makes her right for this job. Um, she just had her fourth kid. Holy. So I feel like when I'm at work, like I have a two and a half year old and it seems like an unbearable, lovely burden sometimes. Uh, but then I have coworkers that have like two and three kids and I'm like, oh, what the fuck am I complaining against? So I feel like if you have a coach with four kids, anytime Annie Murray becomes like a little bit of a drama queen in his head about being a father, that'll just take that right away. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I really like it. Okay. So great idea. So last last one. Uh Steffi Graf. Why hasn't she I mean people forget no brainer, stoic. Stoic. Uh, when she was playing, she was seen as like a little bit of an Annie Murray cold fish, right? Um she seems all like she's not. Yeah, she was imperial. She smiles. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think he could use that sort of um backbone. Also, like she is nobody's fool. Like Steffi fucking Graf, right? Like yeah. Yep. Imagine panning to her in the stands. I know. I know. <laughs> and plus you get the bonus like Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton thing where it's like bonus Andre Agassi. Yeah, sure. And like their games are not that different. Uh, no, actually his game is a lot Agassi. like Agassi's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What if you hired Ugh, both of them? What a great idea. What if you hired both of them? That would be amazing. I mean, he would, he yeah. would have to give them like two thirds of his winnings, but what does he care at this point? He just wants majors. 
Yeah, plus he like comes from like he's already like the king of Scotland. What else can he? He's I'm sure has a castle by now. So yeah, no, I think that's a grill, that's the best idea of all. I okay. think everyone else is a bit more of a wild card. Right. But the tandem team of Steffi Graf and Andre Agassi, brilliant. All right, well done. done. I always admire your willingness to create new problems. <laughs> And then come up with novel solutions. <laughs> well, what <laughs> that is the definition of journalism. But anyway, <laughs> Andy, whenever you're ready for the low, low price of two hundred fifty dollars, we would love to invite you on the show to talk about who we think your new coach should be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, sidebar: It has to be a woman because we feel like you've already shown your medal in like making this a real issue. You got to keep going with it. One hundred percent agree. All yeah. right. Well, I think we feel like we've covered a lot of good ground today. Let's yes. check in soon yes. because right after the French Open, we'll have so much more to talk about. And then it's grass court season. It goes real fast. It does. It does. Um, All right, Caitlin, great to talk with you again. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shaw flew up. Oh, he's toying with him now. 